0: Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church, located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. All right, let's get in the message. New series, titled Game Changers. Everybody say Game Changers. Game changers. Time, my message is, it's time to make up your mind. Come on now, Game Changers, Game Changers. It, what is the one thing in your life, if this thing changed, it would change your life? That's the question I have for you. Is it a job? If you got a new job, would that be the game changer of all games? Oh, if I just got this new job, it would change my life. If you won the lottery, if I just won the lottery, it would change my life. If I just had new friends, if I had new people around me, it would change my life. What is the key to your life? You got to ask yourself that question because a lot of us have told ourselves one, but you really haven't thought about it. Can I tell you what the real game changer is? It's you changing. I've been pastoring for almost 18 years now. People come and say, Tyler, can you pray for me to change my circumstance? And, and we'll pray to change of circumstance. And then, can you pray for a job change? You know, some people are like, can you pray for, you know, like some people think that you got to change their geographics. If I get another phone call of you moving, I'm going to get a little upset. Yeah. I got PTSD right now. Hey, Pastor, oh, don't tell me. Don't tell me. Oh, we're moving. God bless you. Click. Why? <laughs> the reality is, is that. If you want your life to be what it's called to be, you don't need to change a job or, um, you know I'm wrong, changing a job doesn't mean you don't ever change a job. Those are things that complement your life, but it's not the key to your life. The, the key to your life is actually God coming into your life and changing you. So for 18 years I've had prayers, changed my circumstance, changed my job, changed this, changed my financial situation. I need a miracle. I've never, not once, had somebody come and say, Tal, will you pray that God would change me, make me more selfless, make me more selfless and make me more kind? And never had that prayer request. Well, this series, Game Changers, is I'm praying would pierce you to where you go, God, would you change me? Um, let, me let me put it this way. I was going to title this series Sanctification, but that's not going to get a lot of clicks on YouTube, you know? Like, oh, what's the series? Sanctification? Eh, I'm good, you know? Like, like nobody wants to click on save, But the reality is, is God doesn't only want to save you, but he wants to sanctify you. He wants to change you. The best picture in scripture, there's this man named Lazarus, and God comes to change his circumstance. He's dead. He's dead. Like not like sleeping. He's dead. Can I tell some of you right now, some things in your life are dead and you want them to come to life. You can't do it, but Jesus can do it. So Jesus comes into our life and he calls us to salvation. We get saved. So all of us, we were dead to, uh, to Jesus, dead to the promises of God, dead, dead to purpose, dead to joy. And Jesus calls our name. If you've been saved, that's what happened. Boom, you got saved. But then at the very end of Lazarus coming to life, Jesus says, take the grave clothes off him. And the reality is, is you get the, the grave clothes is a physical picture of taking the stinking things off your life that are holding you back. I remember my first pastor telling me, Ty, you sure do have a lot of stinking thinking. I'm like, well, that just rhymes. He's like, no, you, you just process poorly. Some of you are carrying away around way too much grave clothes right now. In this series, I just want to help take it off. And God wants to give you a new robe. Oh, his burden's light. Oh, his yoke is easy. Come on now. Let me prove it to you. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 4. Matthew 4, uh, 17, it's an amazing thing. It's the first time Jesus comes on the scene for his first three years of ministry. It's the first thing he preaches. The first thing he preaches. From that time on, Jesus began to preach what? Love! Peace! Financial prosperity! You know, what what was it? Kindness! No. From that time on, hit it. Repent! Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is the all-loving, all-powerful God. The first thing he preaches is repent, which is metaneo, if I could pronounce it correctly. I hope I did. And it means this. I came to change your mind. That literally repent means to change your mind. So Jesus comes in. Hey, I'm here. First thing I want to pray, I preach is this. I came to change you. I'm in the changing business. I like to change things from death to life, from discouragement to encouragement, from negativity to positivity. I came to change you. Why is it such a big deal that God changes your mind? says this in um, uh, Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Basically, what you think becomes your beliefs, and your beliefs become your behaviors. Yeah. Have you ever noticed when you like, go on a hike around here? We've got a lot of trails. Who loves going on a hike uh, around the hills? I love where we live. Oh, it's such a gift. I love California. I would never want to move away from it. I just love it so much. <laughs> like, who would ever want to move away from these hills? You must be crazy to want to move. Oh, God, I'm scared. It's my last moving joke till next week. Okay. Um, So uh, when you go on a hike, uh, what's interesting when you go on hikes around here, there's already a path for you to walk on to go on the hike because other people have walked there and they've created a pathway for you to get to where you want to go. But what I've realized about the pathways on our hikes, they're not the best paths. There's better views. There's better places to go. But sometimes, if I'm being honest, we surrender like, well, this must be the path because I've walked on that. Imagine your lawn if you walked one way every day. And the reality is your brain is pathways. And you have, if I can put it this way, you have lived a certain way because of those pathways are just the normal ways you live life. Let me, let me show you what I mean by pathways. Romans 12 too, I'm gonna unpack this a little bit more. Don't copy the pathways, the behaviors and customs of this world. Don't hike like everybody else hikes. Don't just go on the pathway Z, but let God transform you into a new person by getting a new job. Transform you by getting new friends. Transforming by getting a new paycheck. No, here's how you get transformed by, by changing the way you think. By changing your, let God transform you. Transform your life by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. What it's saying right there is you can live life by default or you can live life by design. Culture's default. It's just the path that was put before you. Everybody else took the same path. They lived that way, so you do it. Or you can actually live the way God designed you, and you can have everything he created you to be. Ooh, I want that path. Reality of design is you've got to create a new path. And that's why he just says, I'm the way, the truth, the life. Come follow me. I'm going to show you the narrow road. I'm going to show you a new path that leads to life and leads to kindness. Can I put it this way? Another, another way I'll say is this. If you want to change your life, you've got to change the way you think. Right thinking leads to right living. Ooh, I want right thinking. So, the title of my message again is it's time to make up your mind. You ready to make up your mind today? Way to by your heads? God, I thank you for what you're doing at Mission Church. And Lord, you, you love us so much to save us where we were, but you just love us so much to get us away from that place also, Lord. That you, you, you have this promise on our life to to literally refine us and make us something beautiful. Take ashes and make beautiful things. Take death and make it vibrant life. So God, I pray that that happens today. I pray for the one that has stopped dreaming. I pray for the one that doesn't dream big anymore for the life, that they would dream again because they have a big God. God, I pray that my words would fall to the floor and that your words would soar. Oh, we need you. We need you. Everybody said, yes. All right. Very simple message, but don't let the simplicity of this message trick you into not understanding this is life and death what I'm about to preach. This is disaster or this is abundance. I want to put that gravity on it. I've got three points about it's time to make your mind. First one is you need to free your mind. Free your mind and the rest will follow. In vogue. Anybody? Right, did I hit my notes? Did I hit the notes? Not bad. All right. I'll do it again. Free your mind and the rest will follow. Okay. Second one is you got to feed your mind. No song for that. We'll write one later. no yeah. um, nom, 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 nom. nom. Um, and last one, you need to Fight for your mind, fight for your mind. Let's get ready to rumble. That's every day. If I'm being honest, you wake up, you gotta get ready to rumble. The reality is, is uh, Rick Warren. I love what he said. He said when he wakes up in the morning, the first thing he does, he's creating new pathways. He understands that he's got to free his mind, fight for his mind, feed his mind. What he said, is, I loved it. It's a simple thing I heard him say one time. Is before his feet hit the floor, he says, "Jesus, you are my Lord," and he gets up. And a lot of us, before we wake up, we go, "I'm gonna make up, I'm Instagram." Uh Oh, they got a better life than me. I hate them. I'm going to go take a shower. Okay. Oh, I got to pay my bills. What what a weird way to start your day. I go biblical before I go digital. And what I mean by that is I get on my laptop and read my Bible, but it's still biblical. I like to read on my laptop because I copy and paste. I got bad handwriting. But man understand something you can live by default or you can live by design yeah. first thing you need to do is you need to free your mind here we go second corinthians 10 3 through 5 what you got to free your mind from let me show you for though we live in the world we do not wage war as the world does the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world on the contrary they have divine power oh divine power that greek word is dynamo it's dynamite some of you don't know what you got in your pocket Some of you don't know what's living inside of you. You have more than enough to conquer what needs to be conquered. You have more than enough to get to the promise. If you knew about the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit, you'd be praying different, you'd be loving different, you'd be expecting different. That's not even my message. Let's keep going. Divine power to do what? To demolish strongholds. Everybody say strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Stop. If you're reading this during that time in biblical history, they would understand what a stronghold was. It was a 20-foot wall, maybe higher. You would put the captives of war inside the stronghold so they couldn't get out, or you would use it for protection so people couldn't get in. Basically, if I could just simplify what a stronghold is, it's a wall that would stop you getting to the other side. So what does that look like spiritually? A spiritual stronghold would simply be this. You walk into church and say, nobody likes me. Who told you that? Pastor hasn't said hi, he doesn't care about me. That's a stronghold. That's a lie that literally affects the way that you talk to people and receive from people. How many, how many relationships have not happened in your life for simply this thought that you have in your head? Nobody wants to hang out with me. Who said that? What, how about you lean in and see what happens? You find out maybe half didn't, but the other half did. <laughs> mean people out there. But the reality is, is a stronghold is a lie that has shaped the way that you see the world. You see your life on how you receive and how you move forward. And God wants to demolish those strongholds so you can walk free into the things that he has for you. Not just for you, but for the glory of God. And so you can bless other people. So there's a handful of strongholds that I wanted to define. And it's bad mindsets is one we're going to demolish today. You guys want to demolish some bad mindsets? Another one is bad lies. We're going to demolish bad lies. And the last one is bad memories. Those three things we got to get rid of in our mind. So the first one is bad mindsets, bad mindsets, bad mindsets to me. They kind of remind me of like a song that just keeps playing in your head. Anybody get the song stuck in their heads? Anybody do that? Yes. I am famous for it. Like I drive my wife nuts. So do I drive you nuts? Yes. Nuts. Thanks. Don't have to be that honest. Okay. It's October. We talk it that way in November. All right. We don't fight in October, but tomorrow I'll see you in the ring. I've got some pent up 31 days. I'm kidding. Um, but I drive my way. I, I, I am a songbird, okay? I hear, listen to a song and I just start singing. So, like, the song I've been ro- rocking a lot lately is Jira by Maverick City. So I'm like, Jira, you're more than enough, you're always enough. Five seconds later, Jara, you're more than enough, you're always enough. Walking down in the kitchen, Jara, you're more than enough, you're always enough. You know, sit down, Rachel's like, oh, wait, you know, nothing. Jara, you're more than enough, you're always enough. We get in the car, Rachel's there, Jara, you're more than enough, you're always enough. We walk into Starbucks, Jara. Now, people in Starbucks, first time they heard, it, like, oh, why are you so happy? And my wife's like, just give him some time. You know, hop on my, I don't stop. Over and over again, I sing that one song, I drive my wife, literally, sometimes she literally go like, oh, you just can't do it anymore. I'm like, it's worship. It's like, no, it's not. It's, it's like spiritual attacks on me, you know? Like, <laughs> like, I drive her nuts. I was singing the Amanda Cook one, this is my before and after. But over and over again, all of a sudden, this is my before. Over and over again, I'm driving my wife crazy. Did you know that the average person has 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts a day? Which was kind of fascinating to me. So in this room, some of you right now, you're not thinking about nothing. You're the 12000 right like this. And then the other half of you are like this. Okay, I got to go get food. I got to get uh, food for the dog. I got to, we're going to go, okay, we got uh, the, the harvest party. Not Halloween, party. we got the harvest party tonight. Okay. Um, and I got this, I got this. And so you're thinking about thoughts like crazy. So in this room, we got a harvest party, okay? Now, don't matter... The, the number of thoughts, now 12,000 to 60,000, the thing that actually surprised me was that they said that 80% of all people's thoughts are negative. Negative thoughts. Bad, bad soundtracks in your head over and over again. Just a soundtrack of, it's not gonna be a good day. Soundtracks, I'm not enough. Soundtrack of, can I be honest? You got a lot of people. I'll say this, reliving old stuff over and over again that's negative. They're reliving or they're pre-living. It's gonna be bad, 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 and nobody living. And God wants to come into this stronghold and say, I don't want you to relive. I don't want you to pre-live. I want you to live. I came to give life. And so you have this mindset that is going over and over again. And Brene Brown, I I came across this study, I thought it was fascinating. She's a research professor over two decades, knows her stuff. She just studies people. That's all she does. And she says, in culture today, the the number one thing, the number one soundtrack, if I could use that term with you, the number one song that's in all of her head, it's a scarcity mindset song, and it's going to be not enough. When you wake up, it's the first thing you think, I'm going to get enough sleep. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough talent. I wrote down a handful of ones uh, that I, I just kind of related to, and maybe you could relate to, and maybe you made me feel this way too, is uh, some of you feel never good enough, never perfect enough, never thin enough, never powerful enough, never successful enough, never smart enough, never certain enough, never safe enough, never extraordinary enough. When I started researching this, the thing that I feel, if I could just be transparent from the day that I started ministry, I feel two things all the time in ministry. I feel never good enough and never righteous enough. And when I get righteous enough, that's when God's going to breathe revival on this nation. Because it depends on my righteousness, right? (laughs) Renew my mind, God. Give me new pathways. Philippians 3, may not rejoice in anything that I've done, but may I rejoice in the Lord. There's something to be said about all of us feeling not enough. So this is, you're like, oh, this is just a scarcity thing. Brene Brown's like, oh, this has happened the last 20 years after Dada. I'm like, no, Brene Brown, this has been around since the beginning of time. Can I read you some scripture? Exodus 3.11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He's just going to come change Moses. But the first thing he's got to do to change Moses, to have Moses change the world, to change the Israelites, is he's got to change Moses' mind the first thing. And Moses tells him, I'm not good enough. And God goes, I am. And Moses doubles down, he says this, Exodus 6:12, "But in the Lord's presence, Moses replied, "If the Israelites will not listen to me, then why would Pharaoh listen to me since I'm an unskilled speech, I'm not a good enough speaker even." Over and over again, Moses is trying to talk God out of his promise. Wow. Some of you are trying to talk God out of your promise. I'm not good enough for my promise, God. I'm not talented enough. I'm not smart enough. What happened seven years ago was so bad, I could never ma- uh, do enough things to redeem it. Stop thinking that way and allow God to actually fulfill what he has in your life. Can God change your mind? Yeah. You think, oh, this is Moses. I'm going to read some more scripture. I love, who loves scripture? I love the Bible. Ooh, come on now. The ones that said, woo, be blessing. The ones that were quiet. I pray for you. i kidding. <laughs> Never be quiet again in my church. Okay, here we go. Um, please, my uh, <laughs> Judges 6:15. That was kind of mean. I'm sorry. Um, Judges 6:15. Please, my Lord. King replied, "How can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the youngest in my father's house. I'm not strong enough, and I'm not big enough." Over and over again, you'll see it again in uh, 1 Samuel 18:18. 18, 18. And David said to Saul, "Who am I? What is my family or my father's clan in Israel that uh, that I should become the son-in-law of the king? I'm not impressive enough. Ooh, my family is jacked up. Hey, raise your hand if you got a jacked-up family." Oh, we got it jacked up. We is dysfunctional. <laughs> I mean, literally like Maury Povich, Jerry Springer. I could have been on there so many times. And I, this is another weird stat. I'll just be honest with you. Uh, the average American complains once every minute in the conversation. Once every minute. And you look at the conversations with God and the people. Do you ever see God be negative? Yep, you're right. You're done. I thought about it. You are, you are weak enough you are kind of stupid, yeah, that's a good point okay, I'm going to move on, I'm going to go find somebody really smart no, no, you'll see one person that actually has the mindset of heaven our savior, and then you'll see mankind bringing mankind's mindset to God and God having to change it over and over again oh, may we have a different culture this church, may we talk different, because here's the reality, John 10:10. this is what uh, uh, Jesus came to do, I love it um, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, comes to make you feel like you're not enough, basically what is God's purpose? I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, that they have, be the people of more than enough. God came to take this never enough mindset to create a people that have more than enough. It's super abundance, overflowing cup. He came to take the hard thing that had a hole in it and have it overflow that you had not only enough for you, but more than other people. Oh, you don't have enough positivity? I got, I got enough for both of us. You're welcome. I love this. I want to read one more to you, and then we're going to go on the next one. Jeremiah 1, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart, and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I don't know how to speak. I am too young. I'm not old enough yet. My, my, I'm, or another one, I'm not young enough anymore. You know what I don't like about ministry is, there's, I don't know what the age is yet, but what is the perfect age to change the world? You're too young, you're too old. Where is that pocket? It's not an age thing, it's a spirit thing. Don't you dare allow your age to set you back if you're young or if you're older. Ooh, if you're in this house, God is going to use you. Man, I love our church. I, no joke. When I have guest speakers come, they're always surprised uh, about our church. We have everything. And the reason why we have everything is because we have the Spirit. We're not around the Spirit. Not an age, not a preference, not a style. You know, we, we, we have, uh, I love our church. May we always be uh, that kind of church. Come on now. Uh, so that's the first one. We've got we to be redeemed from bad lies. And the way you're redeemed from bad lies is you allow the one that brings truth to come bring abundance in your life. Does that sound good? We're going to have a new soundtrack. Uh, Next thing is you need oh, that was a bad mindset, excuse me. Bad lies, the second one, bad lies. Uh, Genesis 3, go there. This is fascinating. The first lie ever sold. First, live or sold to mankind. Let's see what it says. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Stop. It's amazing to me that lies don't have to be true to be powerful. Now, you read Genesis 3, you read a lot, but you know, Satan could have came up and just like, eat the apple, eat it, eat it, eat it, eat it, do it, do it. It's not how, that's not how Satan's uh, weighs you more. There's a battle in the mind. He just comes in and says a few lies. Hey, your life would be better if you did this. Drop that seed. Hey, hey, he's hold, God's holding down you. I know better than God does. There you go. Oh, hey, hey, this, this will make you the greatest version of yourself. Here you go. Drops those two, three lies in her brain. He walks away. We don't know how long it took for her to make that decision to say, ooh, it looks pleasing. She sits there and lets those things stay in her mind. It's a bad lie. She sits there and she's like, "You know what? This thought I had is now becoming my belief, and now it's going to become my behavior." And some of you have some bad lies right now in your brain, because a parent said something to you, or a friend said something to you, or the world sold something to you. You watched a movie and it, it planted a seed in your brain that something else is out there, or something else is better than God, or better than the promise on your life, and you start stewing on it and it's stealing from you. Man, bad lies will control you. They will make you captive. One of my favorite illustrations to share with this, it's it's kind of a famous one, but uh, I I love National Geographic. I love watching uh, animal stuff. Uh, Rachel and I have committed to start watching Shark Week from this year out. We looked at each other, and we were watching a shark movie during our quarantine uh, a a few months ago. And uh, Rachel's like, I love Shark Week. I was like, I love Shark Week. You learn new things about your spouse every day. Like, why have we never watched Shark Week together? So from now on, Shark Week, girl, can't wait. Um, So Shark Week, but I also love watching lion stuff. you know. And so when when you watch... uh, so you got to watch lion stuff with me, too. Um, but whenever you watch uh, these you know, documentaries, one of the animals you know, that just, they don't really do a ton of documentaries because it's kind of boring because they got no fears and they're just walking around, is elephants. You ever seen elephants just walking around? They're not afraid of lions, they're afraid of nothing. There's the big, bad mammojamas. you know what I'm saying? Walking around, they're like, say something. Say, that's what I thought, because I'm an elephant, you know? And so they walk around. Well, uh, when they bring them over to the States for the circus or anything else, they capture them. It's a very sad story about how they do this. They capture them, get a nine-foot metal spike put in the ground, a metal chain put around their back right leg. And that elephant that's never known captivity, only known freedom and known enjoyment in life and not fear, becomes this person, uh, becomes this animal that literally cannot become free from this one chain. Just, yeah, sorry. Oh, it is actually really sad. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna bring it back, I promise. And step, and step again, and step. Okay. And so, so it goes like this till the leg is raw, they bring that same elephant over the States and take a little wooden peg, put in the ground, a little rope, put on that same leg, and the elephant just stays there. And it's a picture of a lot of Christians who had one season of defeat. One season where they just didn't conquer what they thought they could conquer. So for the rest of their days, they never kick again, aka never pray again, never believe again, never have a relationship again, never lean in again, because that one time it didn't work, so therefore they're never going to try again. Oh, I came to break some bad lies today. I came to let you know you can pray again, you can love again, that you can serve again, that you can plug into church again, that again, you, you, you can try trusting God again. The one season that hurts you cannot steal the rest of your life. It's a bad lie. Let me share, I'm gonna double down on this story because there's a lot of people held captive from this kind of stuff. I have a buddy in LA, uh, somebody gave him a Rolex. Uh, and so uh, he was really excited about it. Um, you know, he's a pastor, you're never going to be able to buy a Rolex or never want to buy a Rolex or save up for a Rolex. And I say, you can't buy a Rolex if you're in ministry to each their own. I'm not going to buy a Rolex, but if somebody wants to, it's all good. I'm not condemning it. Um, okay, preface back to the nice message. Um, just don't like legalism. I was trying to address the spirit of legalism right there. Okay, so, anyways, um, he gets this uh, Rolex and he's going to this party, and, you know, he's in LA and, you know, a handful of famous people are going to be there. So he suits and boots, you know, puts on his best stuff, puts on his Rolex, and he's going to hang out have a good time. And he walks into the party. And somebody is there knows Rolex's front and back. Walks up to him, is like, "Bro, that's a fake." He's like, "No, it's a gift." He's like, "No." He goes, he goes, pop, 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 pop. Fake, 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 fake. That's the reason why it's fake. He's like, "Oh," he's like, in front of people, like in front of a couple of Kardashians, even. He's like, oh. You know, I was like, like you know. And so he's like, he's like, "I'll take my jeweler check. If it's fake." It was kind of like a funny thing. I'm like, "Oh man, I'm so sorry." And so takes the jeweler. The jeweler, like in two seconds, like, "Yeah, that's a fake." Pop, pop, pop. It's a fake. And, you know, my, my, my buddy's telling me stories like, man, I was so devastated. I was upset, uh, you know. And so um, I, I thought, uh, like, just the idea of this story, and one, I, I hope this makes sense. Uh, there's this uh, way that they train people to uh, understand where counter, counterfeit bills are. And counterfeit bills, the way they train people to understand their counterfeit bills is they have them uh, use regular bills all day long. Touch the real thing all day long. So then when a fake bill comes, they can, two, that's a fake bill, that's a counterfeit. And I thought about the Rolex scene because there was somebody at the party that they knew uh, what a real thing was, they could poke out the wrong thing in two seconds. And the way that you're going to defeat bad lies isn't like, I don't wanna defeat bad lies. It's you gotta get the one that knows truth. And not only you know truth, but you gotta know who truth is, his name is Jesus. And the more you hang out with the real thing, you realize those are not the right things. Because right thinking leads to right living. And, and, and if I could just encourage you right now, a lot of you get sold a fake Rolex and you wear it, and then you show up to life and you get embarrassed because somebody sold you something that wasn't real, a fake dream. A fake promise. Fake fulfillment. Ooh, but if you actually knew truth, you'd be like, that's fake. You could be the one that walks in, and like, oh, no, that's not real. This is real. Here's why. Pop, 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 pop. This is what satisfies. No, no, pop, pop, pop. This is what's real. We, we need more people that know the real thing to point out the fake thing. We got enough fake stuff on Instagram right now. We need some real people on Instagram. We got enough fake uh, fake Christians right now. We need real Christians po- uh, pointing the real stuff. That's the way we defeat bad lies. Let's go the last one. Bad memories, bad memories. Um, I'm going to be... Transparent with you, and just so you know, uh, don't uh, you, you know when you are like at a therapist place and you share something with somebody, and then afterwards they talk to you for it for a while? I don't want to talk about this after service, okay? <laughs> I'm going to share it, and then we'll, I don't want to talk about it again, okay? I don't want to go there, but I'm going to be transparent with you. So, um, I um, this happened literally yesterday. Um, so, and this was not going to be one of my points, but I was like, oh Lord, this actually is something that does shape shape me, and this is a stronghold in my life. So, uh, yesterday I'm preparing a message and um, I uh, started having a chest pain in the middle of the message. And it was like a bad one, like not a normal one. Not doing wrong, I bench pressed twice this week and maybe I tore something in my pec. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, maybe. I don't know. But, anyways. Um, But my chest started hurting. I was like, I was like, oh, oh, and Rachel wasn't home. And and so, like, I'm I'm literally about to call Rachel. I'm like, no, no. It's like, I I put 911 on the cell phone. I'm like, all right, if it goes real bad, I'm just going to press call. And then I'm like, but that's not an address on my cell phone. How are they going to find me? I'm going to call Rachel. But then if I call Rachel, I'll be like, Rachel, ah. and like, this is terrible to do to Rachel. And so, like, then I'm getting my blood pressure machine out. I'm taking my blood pressure. I'm like, what is this? You know, and then finally, like, it goes away and I'm fine. Now, I got to give you some preface of why I responded that way yesterday for an hour and was freaking out. I'm in eighth grade and I'm at a water park. Uh, It's like a Six Flags water park in Washington. My dad goes down a speed slide and he has a heart attack at the end of the speed slide. Uh, So my dad gets down the speed slide, gets off, and he's like, oh, my arm, he's like, oh, he starts puking, we him to the hospital, and he's having a small heart attack there. Uh, they put him in the ICU right away. I remember coming in and seeing my dad, who my dad was the strongest guy I knew as, a, as an eighth grader, seeing him in the ICU a week on all these machines, and they save him on the, basically the operation table, and they put the uh, things in his heart, whatever, to um, uh, help him, and he's alive and well today. But I remember Rachel a couple of years saying, uh, saying you know, to me, because if I could just be a little bit more transparent, I may have been to the ER a couple of times to get an EKG. <laughs> because I got heartburn every time. I'm like, heartburn, I'm, I'm, I'm dying. All right, Rachel, I love you. I love you so much, but I'm going. Like, literally, that's where I go every time I have a chest pain. Every time I have a pain, I'm like, it's over. It's over. It's over. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I may have been at the ER two weeks ago. I don't want to talk about it. Maybe, maybe I got a blood clot check too. That's fine. <laughs> it's just a cramp. <laughs> I'm The lady's checking my uh, blood clot, you know, and, and I was like, am I doing okay? And she's like, I'm actually not allowed to respond, you know, lawsuits, I'm not allowed to tell you. And I was like, I was like, well, just show me by your face. She's like, no, I'm not allowed to tell anything. And, and, and I was like, I was like, I just, just, just a little bit. And she's like, no, I'm not allowed to say anything. I was like, I was like, man, I could not have your job because if somebody actually had a real blood clot, I'd be like, you're going to be okay. you know. If somebody didn't have one, I'd be like, I don't know how they do what they do. Okay. So um, they give me an EKG too. They check everything out and I'm fine. And. I remember just being so upset about how much it affected me. I lost an hour of yesterday because ever since that memory of watching my dad almost die from a heart attack, and every life insurance policy, they're always like, well, if your dad had a heart attack, you know, a higher percentage, da da da. And so it's just always been in the forefront of my mind of, of, of something I've been afraid of. And so after that hour, I started walking around. I started declaring, God, you're my author, you're my finisher. God, I declare health over my life. I'm not going to allow a memory to control my, my, my life. I'm not going to have that fear dominate me. I shared with Rachel, we started praying. I said, like, babe, we're breaking it this season. This bad memory, it's a stronghold in my life. I'm not, no, no more high doctor bills for heartburn. <laughs> Golly. you know. And so I just I started declaring it and praying it over my life. And the reality is, is that if I could go back to the Lazarus thing, it said that it, it, the, the Lord told the people, take the grave clothes off of him. You're not going to be able to take them off by yourself. You're going to need people to say, hey, I found a stronghold in my life. Will you pray and journey with me? Will you, will you help me get this bad memory? Because some of you have a bad memory from a pastor, therefore you don't love the same way, you don't trust the same way. May a bad memory from a pastor not affect the way that you have a relationship with other pastors. Some of you have a bad memory of men, and so the way you see all men, it just affects you. May that bad memory be broken in the name of Jesus and not be a stronghold. Yeah. Some of you have just a bad memory of a friendship and you were betrayed, so you don't have friendships anymore. May that be broken in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Share it with people, journey with people, break it with people, and then live the life you're called to live. Yeah. Last but not least... You needed to free your mind. You need to is this still just free your mind? That's the first one. Yeah. Buckle up. I'm kidding. Thought I was almost done. Just gonna sit down. I got about another 45 minutes. Hold on. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Some of you are like, is he kidding? Is he? I've been going here. He he likes to go. He can go. No, no. These two last two are quick. Uh, the second one. They are. <laughs> I'll show you. <laughs> Second thing you need to do after you free your mind, you need to feed your mind. You need to feed your mind. Philippians 4.8 says this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix. Everybody say fix. 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 your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Stop. Uh, anybody a good chef in the house? Who loves to cook? Where are my good cooks at? Invite me over. Make your best meal. I will enjoy your gift and your talent. I love good food. My wife is a great cook. I, I, I love it. I, I'm a foodie. I love going out to restaurants with famous chefs. You know, we'll uh, watch something on YouTube or a Food Network, and we have some friends that are big foodies. So like, hey, this place has a chef. He It's an amazing thing. I'm like, and so then I'm like, before the food comes, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm about to eat some food from a famous chef. I get really excited when I know a good chef's putting something in the oven, and they're bringing it my way. I'm a terrible cook. I'm horrific. I mean, I'm so bad. Yesterday, Rachel was gone. Uh, she usually makes the tuna fish for the family. I love tuna fish sandwiches right now. I'm in a kick. And so I was making a tuna fish sandwich. And I took a bite, and I was like, this sucks. You know, Rachel puts like onion uh, powder, garlic. She seasons it, cuts up dill, and puts chives in. And I was like, this is blech. you know? I almost threw it away. I almost called Rachel, let's go out to lunch. Like, I was so upset. Couldn't make a tuna fish sandwich well. Um, and I started, literally, and this, this is just how God speaks to me, forgive me, and God's so kind how he speaks in stories and, and parables, but I was processing, I was like, man, like, this is exactly what Paul's doing. Paul's a great chef. He knows the ingredients for the perfect mind. And so many of you are terrible chefs. You're putting in Instagram and Fox News and CNBC, some of you are putting QAnon in there even. Get it out! All right? I said it. All right? You're just putting all these weird conspiracy theories in your brain, spinning you up. You know what happens when you put stuff in your brain? Your brain's like an oven. Starts to cook it up a little bit. And so if I could just be honest, if you would wake up in the morning and if you would just put these things in your brain, can I say real quick? If you would put what is honorable, right, and pure, and true, and edible, you put those in your brain, guess what happens? Uh, This is why I love when Rachel starts cooking. She puts stuff in the oven, first hour, nothing. Couple hours in, like, something smells good, girl. Girl, you just got real attractive to me for some reason. (laughs) That lasagna made you sexy, you know. I mean, can I say that? I can't. It's called marriage. Psalms, Psalms, back off, okay? Um, it's called worship. And so, um, and so, I'm like, "What well, smells good in this place, girl?" And so, something's happened. The 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 right recipe, the right stuff went in the oven, and now the essence is impacting the house. What happens is when you put the right things in your brain by 2 p.m. and 3 p.m., it starts to create an essence in your life. Now, the culture, every minute they complain, but for some reason, you're not complaining. You're speaking about good things and true things and your behavior is better. You're responding better because you put the right things in the oven. You fed your mind and now good things are coming out. Let me put it this way. You cannot have a negative mind and live a positive life. Let me put it this way. You can't have a worldly mind and live a heavenly life. Let me double down on this. You can't have an angry mind and live a joyful life. You just can't do it. Repent. Get those stuff out, put the kingdom in and have a kingdom life. There's something about feeding your mind with scripture. Start feeding your mind. If all you do this week is read one scripture and just think about it for the rest of the day, oh, imagine what your days would look like. You need to feed your mind. Last point, told you it'd to be quick, in your face. Um, sorry. I can't believe your pastor said in your face. He meant it. All right, no, I'm kidding. 1 Peter 1.13, last point, you got to fight for your mind. You got to fight for your mind. I'm going to invite the keyboardist up. Bring in the ministerial. I need the ministrial. Um, uh, 1 Peter 1.13, you need to fight for your mind. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So I've read that. I've read, Prepare your minds for action. Prepare your minds for action. Now, what I love about the Word of God is the more and more you study, you get into the, even the Greek, it just unfolds. And, and that word for mind, you'll see in Hebrews 12, the Greek word is uh, what, what, uh, what Peter is saying, is this, what Paul is saying—if you think Paul's the, the author of Hebrews, maybe or author unknown—all good—is uh, basically this: is it's saying contrast good versus bad is one of the meanings of that Greek word. But the real word it would be used all the time was debate. It was the debate. And so, what Peter's saying in First 1 Peter 1.13, what Scripture is saying is, hey, how you prepare your mind is have your mind debate with Scripture. It, to, to, to actually have your life start debating with Scripture. What is Scripture? It's the living word. Debate with Jesus. Let's get back to Genesis 3 real quick. Talk about fighting for your mind. Imagine if Eve gets this lie from Satan. Oh, your life's going to be better this way. This is pleasing and good. Oh, eat the tree. You're not going to die. Imagine if Eve would just said, hey, Jesus, i got to debate with you. Supposedly, that's going to make my life better. Supposedly, that's what's going to satisfy me. Supposedly, I can have the life that you have if I do this. And if Jesus came and hold on, let me debate with you. That's actually going to kill you. That doesn't satisfy, I satisfy. Look at my track record, I created everything. The one that told you that, he's a liar, he's a snake, he's a thief. Let me debate with you for a second. If you'd never eat what you're supposed to eat. Oh, you would live the way you're called to live, you let Jesus debate with you every day. And so one of the ways that you will live the life God called you to live, one of the ways that your life will change is when you start your day, don't debate with yourself. And you can can justify anything, anything. So many Christians justifying sin and gossip and apathy and living this way. Woo, get in the ring with Jesus. You're gonna lose that debate every time. And when you lose, guess what happens? You win. Because the scripture says, when you lose your life, you save your life. Oh, may you lose the debate with Jesus every time and may you live the life you're called to live. Prepare your minds with the debate with Jesus. Fight for your minds. I want to double down on this. Not only will Jesus debate with you, but then he'll guard your mind. This is what I love about our, our God. That You ever hear this term? Uh, I'm, I need a mental health day. I'm going to go, go to the spot and have a mental health day. The reality is that you, you take all the grave clothes and all the junk with you to the mental health day. You go to Maui and it's like still there. You need somebody to guard your mind. And it says this in Philippians. Don't worry about anything. said, pray about everything. It's almost like the Lord is starting to massage your brain right there. Hey, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Thank him. Right there, he just gives you instructions. And I need you to stretch your, your brain a little bit. I need you to stretch a little bit and start thinking. Now, here's why that's so powerful. I'll, I'll, I'm going to double down on my transparency today. I, I, I hope that's okay. Um, I just had a really depressing day yesterday for so many reasons. One, I was, I was so upset with how I responded to my chest pains. I was just depressed. I was just, you know, it was great clouds, maybe a little bit of seasonal affective disorder. I was just depressed. Rachel and I were both depressed and usually I eat really well on Saturdays, I eat well throughout the week usually. I was like, actually I wanna have my salmon and some vegetables for dinner. So I, my, stomach, my stomach feels good for Sunday. Well, I was just depressed. I was like, Rachel, can we just, let's just go get pizza, go to BJ's. I want some pizza and I want some chowder. And it was like one of those moments. I just felt just, you know, Rachel's like, yeah, I don't feel very good either. We just felt depressed. And we sat down at BJ's and started thinking about a life, started thanking God for things. And I literally pulled up my Instagram and showed her a picture. I said, this time last year, that was the day when I went to bed that night, I woke up and my esophagus was on fire. And that began my, my journey of EOE where I basically couldn't eat anything and it hurt to talk. It was the most pain I've ever been in, chronic pain. And I said, babe, I'm eating pizza with you today. I get to preach tomorrow. One year, God, look where you've taken me. And I just got so thankful. And then I told her, like the Rachel, I was like, our life's so good. We are just got so good to us. And we started talking about the things we're thankful for. I started looking back at my life. It's amazing, my depression and my apathy, it just started transforming. Once I started just thinking about the things God had done. It's amazing what happens when you actually do a mental health day the way you're supposed to be doing it. Just thank God for the things he's done. Then you will experience, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Peace isn't an absence of the storm. Peace is the presence of Jesus. It's not getting rid of all the things you need to get rid of. It's adding the thing you need to add, and his name is Jesus. There's something about God guarding your mind. Now, now let me, let me finish with Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 20. So I asked you earlier, what is the key to your life? What's the game changer? Job, circumstance? No, it's you changing. But how do you really change? what really changes you here is the key to you changing the number one key to you changing it's why we use first on Mondays first Wednesday let me read it Deuteronomy 13 15 through 20. now listen Everybody say now listen they say if, if you're ever going to hear me anything preach I pray this pierces you today this will change your life I'm gonna, this will change your marriage it will change your promises it will change if you hear this it will change stuff you want to hear it? Today I'm giving you a choice. You're the thinkers of your thoughts, by the way. You're the thinkers of your own thoughts. You're the thinker of what you want to hold on to. Today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, And if you're drawn away to save and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long good life in the land you are crossing the Jordan occupy. Today, I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and cursing. You can hear the Holy Spirit using Moses to say, hey, today, make up your mind. Make up your mind, life or death, prosperity or disaster, make it up. Well, how do they have this? He goes on to tell you this. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that your descendants might live. What your choices do impact everybody around you. Don't discount the impact of your life. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying Him, and committing yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to your life. The Holy Spirit is saying, hey, you want the life you've always wanted? You want the game changer of all game changers? Make God first. This is the key to all keys. If you choose God, you're choosing life. If you choose God to love with everything you got, you are choosing prosperity and not disaster. This thing is not, I don't have my Bible on me, but if I was holding my Bible right now, it is not a poverty gospel, it's not a prosperity gospel, it is a gospel of Jesus. And when you choose Jesus, you choose everything that you're supposed to have. I I said it for a service, and I've been debating on how to say it. You, You pastor a church, and it's three years, and you just... My biggest thing is at the end of my days, the people that go to mission church, they know that, they basically know at least the truth of what they have to choose at least. And sometimes I've had, and I hope this comes off okay. Because people go to church and they go like once every two months. They don't pray really, they don't live for God. And and as a pastor, you're like, did I I share with them that there is a third option that they could live this way and have everything God for them? Because they picked it. I don't remember preaching that, but. But then you don't want to like you don't want to come too hard on people because then they're like, fine, I'll come to church every week and I'll are you, are you happy, Pastor? I'm better now. Like you don't want that, you don't want people to do that because of that. You want them to choose it because it's the best decision for the life and Jesus died on the cross, and they, it's, their, it's their heart's desire. So this season, I'm gonna ask you, if you don't have that desire for God yet, would you pray for it? You say, God, would you awaken that desire in my heart that you'd be first? And not only would you ask God to awaken it, but would you actually start moving the ball a little bit in Would you start actually saying, God, I'm going to put you first today. Start praying it and fostering it and feeding it, and just see what happens in your life. Man, I want to pastor a church that people put God first. They're passionate about the kingdom, passionate about kingdom business. Ooh, that would be a special place to be. Yes? You're a special church, mission church. And I want people to come in here and get swept up in the blessing of, the, of this thing. Can we bow your heads? I don't know if it's your first time or second time, but Man, there is such an opportunity for somebody in the house today. If you felt a tug on your heart, you felt something going on in your mind, your spirit, I want to let you know something. That's God pursuing you. That is God knocking at the door saying, saying yes to salvation. I'll never forget it. God, God is so kind how he tugs at hearts, how he, how he moves in, in our souls and spirit. And so if you want to say yes to Jesus today, you want to say yes to heaven no to hell, the Bible says you confess your mouth, believe in your heart, you'll be saved. And the way we do that is there's got to be a response. There's got to be some way you respond to saying yes to Jesus. The way we do that is raise our hand. If you want to raise your hand and say yes to Jesus, I want to raise your hand and say yes to heaven, no to hell. Yes to blessing, no to curse. I want to say yes to salvation. If that's you, raise your hand and raise your hand. I want to see it. I want to pray for you. God bless you. I see you. Come on now. I see you. Come on. I want to do it, ask a pastor question. This season, you have a choice before you, life or death, prosperity or disaster, heaven or hell, God first, world second. If you want to say, God, you're going to be my first, if that's you, can you raise your hand? I just want to pray for you. Any special church. I see hands everywhere. God, I pray that those hands that are raised, this is not some token area. Okay, I'll raise my hand. to raise my hand. I pray there's heart work going on right now. I pray minds are being renewed right now. God, that we would understand that there is an opportunity ahead of us to have a new soundtrack in our brain that says, oh, surely goodness and mercy follow me. Ooh, promises are good. Yes and amen. God, I pray that we would live different, love different. God, may Mission Church give a different path for people in this area. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Everybody said.